Hello, country music fans. It's time. You've been waiting for it all week. Time to drop the hammer and kick this thing into overdrive because now you're behind the wheel with Wednesday night's most hated man in the mirror machine, John the Number Colin Machine O'Shea, and a drive-on podcast. I'll be your navigator, Ivan Daigle, and we're about to get this thing cranked up and we'll be fired on all cylinders. Stand back, y'all. Country music is coming. Welcome to episode number six of the Drive On Podcast. My name's John O'Shea, and probably soon to be the Johnny O'Shea. As uh, last week's guest Rick Reese suggested that I should rename this podcast the Johnny O'Shea, go to uh, Drive On Media on Facebook and let us know, should we change the name of this podcast from Drive On, the podcast to the Johnny O'Shea. Big thank you to Ivan Daigle. We'll uh, hear more from Ivan in just a moment. Thanks for the intro in only the way that Ivan Daigle can do it. And now he mentioned in the intro that, uh, <laughs> that I am the Wednesday night caller. I've been uh, lucky enough that uh, I haven't had the uh, opportunity to fill in uh, for the regular caller, Michelle Roy, at the uh, uh, Rotary Club of Chatham's Radio Bingo. Uh, Michelle's doing a great job with that. And uh, hey, if I never had to fill in again for bingo, that's fine with me. What Michelle doesn't know is that she and boss lady Ann Woods will be my first guests in my series of on-air personalities who have worked at 99 through the river, 790 CFAN. And that's going to start somewhere about the third week to the end of June, once I'm finished with my contract at NBCC. And also, that's going to run throughout the summer. And throughout the summer as well, we'll be talking a racing, stock car racing, and that's uh, provided that the other tracks around uh, the province can figure out how to uh, properly file their COVID-19 operation plans uh, like Speedway Miramichi has. Uh, big thanks to Jason Berry of Barytone Studios for the theme music for Drive On The Podcast slash The Johnny O Show. And it's going to be another great show on the way with Ivan Daigle, plus we've got unapologetically country trivia. So let's get started. Episode number six of Drive on the... (laughs) I should have known. I should have known. (laughs) Let me try this again. Episode number six of Drive on the Podcast, or maybe it's the Johnny O Show. I don't know yet. But uh, this guy, I'm telling you, I've been looking forward to uh, getting him on the show here because it's always wild. You never know how it's going to end up. Ivan Daigle, how are you, man? Oh man, if I was any better, I would be a twin. No, no, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, you know something? Anytime anybody asks me that, uh, I always answer with better than I deserve. Well, there, that's an interesting response. I've never heard of that before. No, I, uh, I mean, let's be honest for, with, with everything that goes on in your life, never mind what's happening all over you know, the fact, the fact that we're still here, that, that, that's a blessing. Absolutely. So anything that you have and anything that anybody puts up with you that you do, because let's be honest, everybody puts up with something from someone 
you uh, you should you should definitely appreciate everything that you have and anybody and like I said, anytime anybody asks me how I am, I always answer better than I deserve. Very, I like that answer. I might I might have to steal that sometime. Go you, ahead, boss. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been a you know um, throughout this, and and I'll ask you how you've kept busy over the last year or so. But you've sure. been the the ray of light, the, the sunshine that kind of brightens everybody's day, giving everybody hope that, you know what, better days are coming. And if anybody that follows you on Facebook, uh, just look for, uh, Ivan Daigle on uh, Facebook. Uh, you know, you, you really, uh, maintain that positive outlook over the last year. I really think my biggest problem among other things is, um, I'm a type A personality. So I'm always in a hurry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always want to get something done, even when I'm not doing anything. And the thing is, like, my goodness, uh, when you're on stage, and even before you're on stage, it's like, oh, my God, like, how does he bottle that up? You know, <laughs> just like, hang on, here we go. Uh, you it's know, like trying to catch a comment with your bare hands. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, well, let, let's just go back a bit. Uh, you know, what have you sure. been doing when you couldn't play shows? I mean, we I, obviously, any and all musicians were kind of – you know, doing those virtual things. And, and I was, it really is all about just trying to keep people's spirits up and keep people distracted from, from what is and was and still unfortunately is happening. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I was doing an hour, an hour and a half show and every once in a while on a Wednesday afternoon at two o'clock, I would just pop on and, and do three songs just randomly out of nowhere, knowing full well that a lot of people were, stuck at the house and there's only so many times you can clean your kitchen or scrub your floor or, or keep your, you know, your, your garage organized or whatever you happen to be doing to keep yourself busy. Um, and it, it really is, it's to me, anything that I can do to keep people's attention, I guess, or, or to keep it away from what, keep it away from what bothers them is always, uh, always a, a good thing to be doing. Uh, what have I been doing uh, besides writing and trying to keep people entertained and hustling for shows and reaching out to contacts? It's always the same. I don't like to I don't like to refer to it as a game because that's not what it is. But if you want to put a stamp on it or a button on it, um, I guess that you know technically the music business. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. always I've always hated the fact that 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 you have to deal with the business side of music to do it right um but to me oftentimes it's it's more about the hustle it's more about getting the show it's about oh we've we've we're playing someplace different or we're doing something different or someone has invited us to play someplace new because it's all about expanding mine and the band's profile and when you say the band we're talking about dirt county Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know something, I'm fortunate enough to be surrounded by guys who really give a, who really give a crap about what they're doing. Yeah. The, the, the only rule that I have is that if you're not going to show up prepared, mm. then stay home. Yep. That's that, that's the rule. Yep. And, and they always do. And if there's any kind of issue with unpreparedness, there's always plenty of advance. I couldn't make it. I couldn't do this, whatever the case might be. Yeah. Um, but I try to make sure that we are still as much as we can in rehearsal 
Um, we actually had a rehearsal uh, last uh, s- uh, Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. and it was just just awesome just to get to play with them again because we haven't played together since November of last year. Wow, really? And just you know, just kind of loosening, just get, getting the muscles to loosen up, and and you know, two or three new songs, and it's just really is just nice to uh to get to be with with your you know your your brothers in arms your uh <laughs> exactly. you know those 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 guys who are up on stage with you and again who are are never there for the money mm-hmm. they're there because they want to do the best they can to put on a good show mm-hmm. and the money it's obviously at, at some point or another there's going to be a transaction involved and that's really just a byproduct sure sure it's an afterthought yeah yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, it's, uh, you got to enjoy what you do or the money doesn't make any sense. No, exactly. And that, that's, that, again, that, that, that's an afterthought. Most, you know, when the curtain goes up and the lights come on, I mean, you have to be bigger than life. So the last thing on your mind is how much money am I making? Yeah. Or how much money are we getting paid? Yeah. Uh, because you know, again, when when the show's over and the lights go down and the curtains close, you're a human being, and any human being is worried about a handful of things. Was I good? Did I maximize the minutes? Yeah. Did they like me? Yeah. Uh, did I do all that I could do? Uh, those lights and that curtain are a big thing, and 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 when the rubber and that's really where the rubber meets the road. When there wasn't many things happening last year. I uh, got a chance to see you and the guys in uh, Nigwak at the, uh, uh, the what was it, the summer driving concert series. Oh yes, the the the, the down home uh, down home music festival. Yes, and uh, that I'm telling you, it was just it was just good to see uh, live music. Oh, it was. I'll be honest, that was without a doubt one of the biggest highlights of our year. Mm-hmm. Not just our summer, but our year. Because you, you, I don't want to say you fall into a rut, but you fall into this thing where the more shows you do, the more comfortable you are on stage. Yeah. And, and you know, there's a certain uh, chemistry, call it what you like, um, when you're up there. I know what Matt's going to do, and I know what Jake's going to do, and I know what Jeremy's going to do, and they for the most part, have an idea of what I'm going to do. But, you know, you always try to keep things spontaneous and and, and fresh. Um, But last summer, we hadn't been on a stage in, well, I shouldn't say on a real stage, but we had, uh, in March of last year, our last show as a band was on Prince Edward Island Mm -hmm. uh, at the Red Dirt Girl Music Room, uh, just outside of Summerside. And that was our last show before COVID broke. Yeah. And then we did one thing in June and then a couple things in July and one thing in August. So it was really, I mean, we went from anywhere between two to five shows down to a week down to one show a week or two shows a month or whatever it worked out to be. So it was, uh, I don't want to say it was heartbreaking, but it was, uh, it was a lengthy summer, or it seemed to be. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> Thank exactly. goodness that the weather was nice because it just seemed like, just seemed like the the the, the year was just taking forever. Let's go back because I want I, I want to sure. find out some things that I really don't know about you because I, I've had you uh, and it, thank you so much for uh, playing the uh, the summer deck series at the radio station. Oh, my pleasure. Over the years, absolutely. That you know, so much fun to uh, 
you know, I guess it's the only way that I'll ever share a stage with you because I can't sing and I've, I've got a guitar here that I've yet to learn how to play. But it's uh, nice to be up there to, uh, you know, to have a front row seat to your, your playing and singing and uh, be able to chat uh, in front of a crowd. Uh, but there's there's things that I really don't know about you. And, and uh, what made you decide that you wanted to play guitar and sing? Um, sing, I've, I've been singing since before I can remember. Um, as I understand the story, I was two and my dad played music. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so my dad played guitar. And, uh, at one point I heard this, uh, recording of myself. I was, uh, I'm told I was two and he was playing a song called black velvet band by the Irish Rovers Oh yes, and stopped singing at the chorus. And I would sing whatever I knew at that point. And it was just this, this tiny little voice from a two year old, you know, boy who sounds like a two-year-old girl when you're two, let's be honest. Uh, and I, the first time I heard it, I said to whoever was listening with me, I said, who's that little girl? And they said, dude, that's you. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. And for as long as I can remember, you know, I've always sang and always wanted to sing. Uh, guitar playing came out of necessity. Uh, in the summer of 85, I don't want to say boredom, but it was a long weekend in, in the New Brunswick Day uh, weekend in August. And on Monday, August 15th, 1985, I asked my uncle Alphonse, who was a, just my, my absolute guitar hero. Um, I said, could you show me three chords on the guitar? Because I had been shown chords before, but I just had was it no interest because there was always, you know, players around and I didn't need to. Right. But here I was at, at 15 and I realized, well, I should probably learn something and he showed me three chords and he said you're on your own because that's all anybody ever showed me yeah. because the rest you'll, <laughs> you'll learn and by the end of the day i was playing my first song really so you picked yeah, up on me, it that, that quick just yeah uh, you know i mean it wasn't wasn't obviously as smooth as it might have been six months later but um yeah it was uh it was like that and that was it it was just all he did was pour the he poured the gas and dropped the match and just let me go. Yeah, it was like a like a like a lightning bolt to watch you uh, play on stage because you can really make an acoustic guitar. Uh, I you know it, it's almost it reminds me of uh, you know the the hydro lines that you hear the the uh, noise that hydro lines make in the heat of the summer or whatever it is you know they zing and. And, uh, oh. <laughs> you, you know, like you can, you know, like I think of, uh, Glenn Campbell's, um, uh, Wichita lineman and, you know, they're the oh. sound like that. And, and you can really you, like, you know, you are really, really, really good on a guitar. Like just excellent. <laughs> that is uh, that is very nice of you to say, uh, I, I've obviously, you know, been around musicians my entire life. Uh, I have two brothers who play, uh, I obviously in high school, when it wasn't really cool to play country music, I was just kind of trying to follow along at what other people were doing. Uh, you know, singers like artists like James Taylor and Cat Stevens and, and, and just these things that I would have never imagined myself doing, but again, out of necessity needed to do until I was at least out of high school. And then I could do whatever the hell I wanted. Yeah. Um, but then Randy Travis took off and, mm. and do I Yoakum and, and Steve Earl. So those things were very, very helpful 
Let's yeah. call them that. Yeah. Uh, in me playing more and more country music, even even then when I was when I was a teenager, uh, but not you know not etched in stone or anything. It was the kind of thing where you could get away with playing maybe digging up bones and then that would be it. Yeah. But yeah, I could play that fifteen. I could play that fifteen times a night, and with nobody would bat an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I have one uh, musician friend named Mark. And Mark showed me how to do uh, what is called a, 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 he showed me a style of finger picking. And to this day, I still use it. Mm-hmm. And I've got maybe five or six different styles of finger picking and a lot of plucking and things like that. Yeah. That again, and I, and I know whoever's listening is, is probably asking, is probably thinking, what's he talking about? I say, don't worry about it. It's just something that <laughs> we do as musicians. Yeah, yeah. But uh, just just to write in different styles and and to be exposed to, uh, you know, that, that country music that came out in the 90s where you would hear this nice, soft finger picking instead yeah. of maybe a, a three-chord song by Hank Williams back in the 40s and, and 30s and, and early, early 50s. Um, a lot of one, two, one, two, and this kind of stuff was more yeah. like I had a kind of a folkier edge. Yeah. Uh, but that was the kind of stuff that I was drawn to like crazy. And then in the 90s, when country music, for lack of a better term, exploded. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was on that, I was on that like a, like a kid who likes sweets on, on a piece of cake. It was oh, just, yeah. just crazy. It was a wild, wild time, especially for me. And, and from a songwriting point of view, it was so, it was just so influential. I yeah. thought anyway, yeah. there's, so, there's things that I write now that I've had people say, that sounds like so-and-so from, <laughs> from remember <laughs> his album back in 96. And I go, yeah, that's a problem. I'm always like 20 years behind the curve. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, we, um, we went similar paths because, you know, I always say it on the radio. My very first record was uh, Kenny Rogers, The Gambler. You know, I was oh, seven yeah. years old. And mm-hmm. I, for whatever reason, I always listened to country when – when, um, it's weird. I can remember in 83, I got a, of all things, I got a clock radio and I was upstairs in the bedroom and I was, mm-hmm. you know, fiddling with the, the, uh, FM band. And all of a sudden yep. I could pick up, uh, country 104 in Moncton, you know, it was, it was country oh, 104. Yes. And then it was, yep. uh, you know, they, they changed, you know, the, the name over the years, but and then w- once I realized that there was a country music station, never mind just a few hours of the day, but a whole yeah. format in one station, I was like, "Oh, I'm hooked," and that's what that's what did it for me. And <clears throat> and um, but you know, it, isn't it weird? Isn't it weird how as teenagers, and it's sad um, that we really couldn't. S- say we were fans of country music <laughs> isn't that weird it really really was i mean i remember being you know eight and, and seven and six years old and listening to you know charlie pride albums like an lp yeah uh you know in 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 my parents uh, living room and just barely being able to get the thing on there and then dropping the needle in the correct groove yeah. because there was a certain song that I wanted to hear, uh, you know, thing, things like, uh, you know, Marty Robbins songs and just even at, at 
eight and 10 and whatever years old, I was aware that these were amazing stories and they were plain spoken. And, you know, even again, a child could understand just, just these amazing, amazing things and these insane melodies. And I just, even back then I knew I wanted to write songs. Is it your, you know, your family's influence that got you interested in country? I just, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. Until I was probably ten, mm-hmm. I didn't even know anything else existed. <laughs> exactly. And that's that. You know, I, I, you know, people always laugh when I say that, and it's not in jest at all. No. My oldest brother, who is nine years older than I am, um, was, you know, I, I would go for a drive to the store with him. And in his, let me see, he would have been probably 17. So that would have made me about eight. And in his, uh, it would have been say 86 or 87. Um, he would have been driving probably a 1980 Chevy van. And in that 1980 Chevy van was a cassette deck. And the cassette in there was Hank Williams greatest hits volume three. Wow. Hank so, Williams, not junior, senior. Yeah, exactly. Senior. Yeah. You know, and to me, it was, that was nothing. I didn't even see that as anything besides normal, mm-hmm. especially around our house. Yeah. Yeah. The, the radio was seldom played because we had albums and we had, you know, I mean, I, 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 I got to a point where Dolly Parton and Porter Wagner's Two eight-track tapes were so worn down that you could barely – all you were hearing was the backup singers. Wow, really? Because the, <laughs> the front-end singing had been played so many times in, in my dad's eight-track in the car or in the house that it was almost – you may as well have thrown them away at that point. Right. And I know for a fact that those take give or take, you know – probably at the time 25,000 plays before that starts to happen. <laughs> Jeez. That's uh that's a lot of plays. <laughs> oh yeah. And my dad my dad was a stone cold country singer. Like there was no there was none of this none of this foolishness about whatever might have been happening, you know. I mean, I remember Conway Twitty's uh we had a greatest hits package at not package but album at the house and and it was a song called Games of Daddy's Play. Mm-hmm. And even at the time I, I love the song, although I wouldn't have been able to tell you what it was about. Yeah, but I would walk into the living room and you know open up, open up. <laughs> oh my goodness! I would open up the LP plastic case thing, which I don't even know what it's yep. called. Yeah, and uh, you know slide out the slide out the album and give it a good look, make sure there are no scratches, and then whoosh, yep. blow the dust off it. And yeah. then put it on there and find, you know, at track number three on that greatest hits and just listen to it like crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, so. you know, it's interesting how the memories come back when you, you know, and it's the music, it's, it's the music that, you know, brings the memories back. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, oh, now you mentioned about, uh, and it's interesting, you know, like I said, there's things that I didn't know about you and I didn't realize you had two brothers. Three, actually. Three and a sister. Really? Okay. So were, yeah. was was your brothers and your sister musically inclined as well? Uh, my brother, John, who's my oldest brother, plays, but never, never kind of pursued it. None of them pursued it the way I did. 
but you know, you kind of have these aspirations when you're 15 of these, you know, dreams or, or fantasies or whatever you might call them at some point or another, you kind of have to determine that they have to be one of two things, dreams that you'll wake up from or goals that have to be at least attempted to be achieved. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, at 15, 16, 17 years old had been in a couple of small bands. We mostly just ended up in somebody's basement and that's about as far as the thing ever got. Mm -hmm. Um, but then uh, when I was, I guess I was 20, uh, we, I joined a band that was already kind of three quarters of the way formed and they just needed a front guy who could sing. And that turned out to be me. And, uh, and then we just, I basically, <laughs> I showed up at the rehearsal and we went through, I guess I, I listened to them more than, than anything else. And they said, what do you think? I said, well, absolutely. I said, obviously we're going to have to work at this. So for the next six weeks, every Saturday, which was unfortunate, the only time that we could rehearse, uh, every Saturday from about three in the afternoon till about nine o'clock at night, which as, you know, 19, 20 year old guys, we didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. And, or at least we didn't think we did. Um, so we would rehearse and those first six weeks, all I let them do was practice three songs. I basically Mr. Miyagi did them. Okay. So we learned three songs to the point where they were just thinking, Oh, can we just learn anything <laughs> else? I said, look, I'm not stopping you from learning anything else when you're not here, but when we're here, we play these three songs and that's it. Yeah. We're going to go over the three of them. We're going to find out what works and what doesn't. And then we're going to go through over, over them again and again. So then <laughs> at the end of the six weeks, I said, okay, well, so what have you guys been doing outside of this jam room? So the guitar player said, well, I've learned half a dozen songs or 10 songs or whatever. And the bass player said, well, I've been speaking with the guitar player and we've learned the same songs. I said, okay, so let's give these songs a listen uh, right here and right now and see what we can do to maybe put them together real quick. Let's just say, let's just take two or three of them, which is what we did. We took a couple of songs. Oh, yeah, I really, really like this one. Let, let's give this one a try. I think it'll go for great. It's great sound, great groove, whatever the case might be. Um, so then all of a sudden, we're playing we go over it once, sounded pretty good. Went over it a second time, sounded much better. And then by the fourth or fifth time, this, this all of a sudden, this aha moment came over them and they went, Oh, now we know what you're <laughs> Now we know what you were doing. I said, Yeah, I know. I, I karate kidded you guys. So <laughs> it, it's, it really is, you know, I really feel that if you do something enough, the same thing over and yeah. over, then that will translate to other things. So it was, it, it was, it was an experiment. Let's call it that. And thank goodness it worked out great. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's like my friend Steve says, uh, you know, he's always saying he does many things, none of them very well, but you know, <laughs> so you're, you're kind of doing the opposite of that, you know, play three songs very well. Very well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and then it's strangely enough that all three songs were uh, were were well known. We were doing "Better Man" by Clint Black. Uh, when you said, you know, by Keith Whitley, and the third one, it's not coming to me right now. But they turned into 
you know, the songs that people would walk up and go, oh, you guys just kill that. It's awesome. It sounds great. And I would always just kind of laugh and go, well, six weeks and, and, you know, six hours every six weeks, we'll do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, let's, let's switch gears a little bit here and let's talk to Ivan Daigle, the country music fan. Your first, your first big concert. What was it? Um, first one. Oh, the first one I ever went to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost. I don't want to say it's an embarrassing. Well, it's an embarrassing story because I was so little. I fell asleep before the end. But it was Stomp and Tom at Harrison Trimble High School. Oh, really? And my friend Barbara and I, who were, I don't even know. We were just little, probably five or six maybe even younger than that, her parents took us and I don't know if she fell asleep, but I remember, (laughs) I remember (laughs) I did. Uh, So that would have been probably the first one that um, I remember seeing as far as, you know, and obviously it was, you know, some of the, some of the things I had no frame of reference to, you know, songs about potatoes and ketchup and stuff like that <laughs> were cute and funny and all that stuff. But yeah. I didn't know they had this underlying meaning. I just thought they were songs about potatoes and ketchup, right? Um, you, you mean so, they're not? Exactly. Um, okay. <laughs> so then probably the next big thing would have been uh, – con. no, uh, the next big thing would have been uh, Charlie Pride. Okay. And the – tour was from an album called night moves oh, night game okay. sorry night games, and yep. probably at 80 or 81 mm-hmm. and then uh, the one after that would have been george jones wow and that would have been that would have been probably 83 or 84 yeah. and that was in moncton and that was back in the days when he was still on the sauce pretty heavy no uh, there weren't no too many days where he wasn't as i understand it <laughs> um but yeah, it was, uh, and then that, so then, then there were, I went to see Corey Hart when I was 15 and that was just more out of curiosity, mm-hmm. but strangely, and I shouldn't say it was more out of curiosity, but I was in junior high, I guess I was in high school at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, I, a bunch of friends were going and I was like, eh, you know, whatever. I like Corey Hart, he's Canadian and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But watching him on stage I remember at the end of the show, as he was doing his encore, first of all, I was blown away at this level of professionalism that, you know, that, that I was watching Yeah, light show and the, you know, all that yeah. stuff and how yeah. things transitioned from one thing to another, which was always just cool to watch. Um, but then at the end of the show, just before he did his closer, he was going on about, I remember being a young man and blah, 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 and I want to get out and play for folks. And, and he goes, now here I am. We're, we're in Moncton, the next province over from where I grew up. And, and there was, I believe there was 8,000 people there that night, which mm. I'll be honest, is probably a pretty good crowd for the Moncton Coliseum. Yeah, I would say. Um, and he said, you know, we, we just, we uh, always wanted to play music. And so it's such a blessing to be here. And it's so bizarre that all those, that of all the things that he said, it, all I could think was, that's what I want to do. I don't play piano. I just started playing guitar, but I want to sing. Yeah. And I want to write songs. And and that's, again, always always been the goal. You know, you, you kind of you, you kind of set your sights on something and 
hope for the best. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's all you can do. In some way, shape, or form. Exactly. That's that's really all you can do is just uh, just hope for the best. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we did. I think we were at the same concert uh, in the late '80s, I believe. I think we talked about this before, and that was my first concert. Was uh, uh, Steve Warner opening for Reba McIntyre? Oh, for Reba, yeah, yes. in eighty. Uh, 80- Eight. Yep. Because I snuck into the Coliseum. <laughs> Why did you sneak I into the Coliseum? The Col- I snuck into the Coliseum because I wanted to meet Reba because I was this massive Reba McIntyre fan. I was just in love with her. I thought. Yeah. Oh. And I, uh, so I snuck in, and nobody. I mean, back then, sure, it was a country act, but it's not like it's not like we snuck in to see Garth Brooks. She might have been a big deal in country music, but country music at least here yeah. didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. So that was unfortunate, yeah. but I snuck in and I had played a few times in some different Sunday afternoon contests and jamborees and things at a place in Moncton, the now defunct urban corral. Oh yes. Um, yeah. And Roger Dupuy was the, I believe he was the general manager there or owner. Perhaps it was an owner slash general manager. Not sure, but one of those two, if not both. Um, and he recognized me. And then all the, and I, I, as I walked, sorry, as I walked into the building, I was kind of tiptoeing around like, is there security here? Am I going to get thrown out? Am I going to get beat up? What's going to happen? <laughs> and then Roger happened to turn the corner and he looked at me and said, Hey, Ivan, how's it going? So we started talking. And as we were talking, I was doing the best I can to eyeball everybody around. And people had noticed that probably for, you know, five or six minutes that we talked, that that they noticed we were talking right so perhaps we're under the impression oh it's okay for him to be here yeah exactly yeah so then roger said so then roger said if you want to listen to the soundtrack just sit down right there wow. i said oh that's awesome man i appreciate anybody gives you a hard time just tell them i'm here with roger i said oh well that's super nice yeah i appreciate it you know <laughs> so then i watched i watched reba's sound check and i got the as she was leaving the stage i ran down the ran down the steps and got a picture of her and uh, yeah, it was super, it was a great experience. It was cool. You know, yeah, yeah. it was one of those things that's as close. That's my closest brush to fame, I guess. <laughs> well, that was pretty cool. Um, it was. So what wouldn't, so from your, you know, big concert that you saw, what was probably the first big show that you played? Probably. And it really all depends on the definition of played, but mm-hmm. I would say that, Canada's Got Talent was probably the biggest thing I've ever done. Sure. sure. At least at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it uh, it was definitely a, an amazing experience. Okay. Before we get into Canada's Got Talent, sure. what were you doing prior to that? In, in a nutshell, uh, when my daughter Matea was born, I was working two jobs. So seven days a week, sometimes two shifts a day, all depending on you know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Now, that went on for a year. And at one point, somebody had told me, they said, well, such and such a place is hiring musicians. I know you sing. I know you play guitar. Why don't you go in and talk to them? And I thought, well, I don't really know anybody, and I don't think anybody's going to hire me. They said, look, what's the worst thing they're going to do? They're going to say no. 
and you could you could make enough money that you wouldn't have to keep this second job. Yeah. So uh, the first gig that I ever got, um, I was in my thirties, and now Matei is eighteen. So this has been going on for yeah. so fast forward. It's been going on for seventeen years. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I took the I took started playing music out of necessity to keep me from working seven days a week and you know killing myself for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um. But uh, let me see. So we started with that. And then after, I guess I was playing the same venue probably every four or five weeks. And it kind of gave me enough confidence to think, well, maybe there's more places. So we were living in Salisbury at the time or that Salisbury area. Mm -hmm. So there was a, a there was a couple of bars there that I talked to the owners and they said, well, yeah, if you want to come in, we'll we'll uh, we'll see how you do. And if it works out great, then great. And if it doesn't, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Okay, fantastic. So then all of a sudden it went from one show a month to two. And then all of a sudden this hobby slash, you know, necessity got out of control. <laughs> um, I was doing up to, you know, I, I was doing basically one show a week, which was great because, again, it, it paid me enough that I didn't have to get a second job. Um, and it just, it, it, I was home a lot more so I could be home with her. And so that was great. Um, and then all of a sudden I was at a, uh, somebody had hired me for a private party and they said something about, well, have you ever written your own songs? So I went into probably five songs that I had written and these people were just you know, they really, really enjoyed them. And I said, oh, that, that's really kind. I said, I've only ever played them a few times. And usually I don't make a big deal about announcing them. You just play them, kind of slip them into the set. And if anybody asks, sure, I'll let you know it's something I wrote. But you just kind of just kind of push it in there and see how it goes, basically. And then fast forward a couple of months and I'm in the studio. Wow. Because these people at this at this private event uh, that I hired or that hired me, um, you know, I, I told them about the studio and how it, unfortunately the, the root of all evil keeps you from doing many things. Um, so the next thing I know I'm in the studio and we're cutting half the album and it was, uh, yeah. So I went from doing one show a month or sorry, four shows a month to almost a dozen a month. So wow. I was doing up to you know two and three shows a weekend. Wow. And that, that's when it, yeah, that that's when this hobby got out of control. <laughs> <laughs> to say and the least. Then, uh, and then we uh, made our way out to Alberta um, for this contest that I had entered. And then we made our way out to uh, Manitoba for another one. And the following year, I auditioned for Canada's Got Talent. And, uh, and I was chosen to be on there. So... You know, j just describe that experience being on Canada's Got Talent. And if I'm not mistaken, that was, they only had that one year, didn't they? Yes. Unfortunately, they only had the one year. Yes. Yeah. Um, what it was like, on, I'll be honest, we filled out the application and obviously gave as much detail as you could talk about writing, talk about however many shows you can do, touring, et cetera, and so forth, first album, et cetera. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, we make our way to Halifax. We do the audition and we were in Halifax. I think we left 
Pepecodiac at 6 a.m. And we, by the time 10 a.m. rolled around, I was all done. There was no interview process. Nobody came to find me. There was no, uh, you know, nobody seemed to be interested in, in, uh, in, inter- in interviewing me or anything of that nature. Hmm. So Bonnie and I were thinking, oh, listen, you know, if it works out, great. If it doesn't, you know, I gave it one, I give it the old college try, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, so then fast forward about five or six weeks and I get the call and they're talking about having me on what are called the, the showcase uh, uh, portion of the show, which basically, if you watch any of the Got Talent shows, it's when people come on on stage, the judges are there, the audience, etc. Prior to that, it's an open cast. Yeah. So you don't see you don't see everything that goes on, but the showcase show is what you're going to see on TV. Gotcha. And they kind of made a big deal about my uh, performance and about the song. And then the uh, then the live then the live shows. Then I was chosen to be in the top thirty six or thirty eight. Um, then the then the live shows, the semifinals, and into the finals. So it was a it was a an outstanding experience. They treated you like royalty. The budgets were second to none. You know, you were flown. You know, from I went from Moncton to out to Moncton to to, to Toronto, and I they put me up for a week, and it was just. You know, it was through the roof. They just treated you like like gold, like you were wow. like you were royalty, and it obviously opened a pile of doors for me. Yeah. So, uh, and we're still we're still partly riding some of that success today. <laughs> it's been almost a decade. Why is that? It, it's hard to believe it's been been that long since uh, you've been a part of that. Yeah, uh, nine. It was nine years in May. Yeah, nine years this month. Wow, interesting. Um, Unbelievable. And, you know, like, uh, that, that may have been your first time on TV, but it's definitely not your last time you, uh, you're, uh, you've been a regular on, uh, the Christmas daddies. Oh, <laughs> that was, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be chosen to be on the Christmas daddies, a, you know, number of years I was on there when I was uh, 17, uh, again, when I was 22, another time before I was 30, another time while I was in my thirties. And then when Kenneth's Got Talent happened, well, I was there that year. And then probably I've only been not performing on the show for probably three out of the last nine years. So I've been on there five or six times. Wow. So it's always difficult to find new Christmas songs to do. So unfortunately, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I unfortunately just keep seeing the recycling the same ones over and over. Oh, but then, yeah. then la- the year before last, they asked me to be a host, which I just, I said, I'm not sure if you guys know exactly what you're in store for, <laughs> but sure, I'll do it. You know, a it's a great a it's a great cause. Yes, and B, I mean, it's it's the kind of a, it's you know they always say never pass up a chance to be on television, no matter what you're going to do. And you know that that I would say that first hour was kind of nerve wracking. And then one of the girls that I was co-hosting with, they said, she said, you're doing great. Just like, you know, don't be shy to talk. Like, don't, I said, I'm, I'm not trying to talk. I'm just, I don't want to interrupt anybody. And she <laughs> says, don't worry about that. This is live TV. It's all, this is all for fun and it's all for raising money. And we want to keep it fresh and interesting and, and then fast and this and that. So I said, oh, fast. Oh, I know somebody who can talk fast. Like really, <laughs> really, really fast. I said, you want me to basically be a salesman? She goes, if you can do that, that'd be great. <laughs> and by, 
you know, by the middle of the, by the middle of the, uh, of the day, it was, I felt like I'd been doing it for years. It yeah. was just, it was just a great time. It's a great experience. And again, again, you know, when I talk about, uh, Ken got talent, treating it great, you know, the Christmas daddy telethon is, is just second to none. I mean, if you're ever looking, if anybody's ever looking for a charity to give to, yeah. I can't think of a better one off the top of my head. That's for sure. It's, uh, you know, of course I, I'm in radio and live radio is one thing, but to stand in front of a live TV camera, uh, I don't even think I could do that. You don't even realize it. Oh, you just pretend you're talking to one person. That's that's what. And I was fortunate enough to have someone with me in every, you know, every mm. spot, if you yeah. will. Yeah. And and these girls are professionals. They're on TV all the time, and they've been doing this for most of them a number of years. So it was so easy to just pick up from you know from uh, just kind of feed off what they were doing. So that that to me was the best part. Cool. Yeah, that's and that's very helpful and and you know that kind of a situation for sure. Um, so you, I know you. Uh, I'm trying to think how far back it was. Was it last fall? You released uh, a, a series of singles, new music. Well, uh, actually, we were in Nashville in January of last year. 2020 just before COVID broke thank goodness right and uh we released the album on spotify in march okay yes of uh of, of last year and i mean i'll be honest you know somebody uh, unfortunately you know we had plans to you know the the, the summer tour dates were <laughs> were going to be uh you know, pretty thick. The calendar was pretty. I mean, we were first, first thing we were doing our very first show in Quebec, which wow. I had never been into that market, but, and how we ever, how we, how anybody ever even heard of us from there. I do not know because I was, when I was speaking with the lady who called me, she said, were you on, <laughs> were you on Canada's got talent? I just found <laughs> you on YouTube. And I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute from a different province and you didn't know I was on Canada's Got Talent and I even mentioned it to Bonnie and yeah. she says they didn't know you were on Canada's Got Talent how did, they ever, <laughs> how did they ever hear of you and as she said it I thought that's a pretty boastful thing for me to think what you've never heard of me and then we both started and we both started laughing and she says well obviously we know what we mean exactly I said but I was just amazed yeah. that somebody who had never heard about the fact that I was on Canada's Got Talent was reaching out to us to get us to play somewhere. I was just, wow. Yeah. That was just shocking and amazing to me. You know, the, um, yes, the, so, so I'm sorry. I don't mean, sorry. I mean, uh, yeah, the album, uh, unfortunately the tour dates were tanked. Yeah. So we were planning to basically tour the hell out of the album, which we unfortunately did not get a chance to do. Yeah. You know, you were saying about Quebec, they would, they would just eat you up. You know, they, they wouldn't get enough of you. I, uh, you know, the, the, your energy, so your, I've been ta- told. <laughs> your energy and talent. Like, uh, for example, there's a young lady, uh, that, uh, <laughs> I made the mistake. She, I looked her up on uh, Facebook and it said she was from Douglas town, which is one of the communities in, uh, the former communities in the city of Miramichi, but, oh, yes. she, but she was from Douglas town, Quebec. Yes, pay exactly. Yeah, and I and I I sent her a message and I said, uh, you know, the the next time you're by the station, drop off a CD. 
<laughs> and so anyway, it, it wasn't until I don't know how it was when she was announced as uh, uh, an act at the Rogersville Country Festival that I then I finally realized, oh, she's from Douglastown, Quebec that I didn't mm. realize existed. Uh, Pamela Rooney, mm. I'm telling you, yes. like, like if it's if it's kind of possible to, um, you know, your energy and her energy are the same and uh <laughs> um, I'm telling you now, she probably doesn't have your quirky sense of humor, but, uh, well, one never knows. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, you know, that's when you mentioned Quebec is like, you know what, Pamela Rooney, like, you know, she's, she, uh, of course, pre COVID, uh, she's been hitting those uh, shows up there. And, uh, that's why I was saying, boys, they'd love Ivan up there. And, and that's again, when, when they reached out to us and then we found out that they didn't know that I was that I had been on, on a, on a nationally televised show. All I can think was, well, how did you hear of me then? <laughs> but I don't know. I guess, I guess, you know, social media is a, is a powerful, powerful thing. And sometimes those, sometimes those circles just seem to wrap around people or, or wrap around the, 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 the right people. Yeah. It's, it's nice to know that social media can do some good because I'm telling you after the last year or so, it's, it's uh, some days you just want to walk away from it. Yeah, yeah. It, sometimes it leaves a lot of casualties in its wake, and I'm not a fan of that. But no, exactly. <clears throat> um, it's another story altogether. Exactly. We won't go there. Uh, so yeah. things are loosening up a bit, and you've been Little playing, bit. you know, a few, uh, you know, uh, solo shows and things like that. What, mm-hmm. what yeah. if, if you know, God, you know, willing, if everything holds together, uh, what do you have going on for uh, 2021? Uh, right now it is, it is almost a one month, five, six weeks in advance at a time type situation. Uh, right now we've got things booked until October, but they're very sporadic. Um, I've got, I guess I had five shows this month, but one of them was on Prince Edward Island. So since the bubble never opened, we never had a chance to get there. Yeah. That's been rescheduled. So now I have four for June, which I believe one of them is about to, one of them is about to <laughs> land in the water. Oh. So then that's down to three. Yeah. Uh, we've got four or five things for July. And again, those are there any, anywhere between a, a solo show for myself for maybe two hours at a lounge to a, you know, full blown band show which could yeah. be, you know, an hour and a half, two hours kind of thing. And then other times, in other times we do like a full night, which would be like from a nine to midnight or something of that nature. So it really all depends. And again, we are just trying to kind of muddle through this as best we can. Uh, because, I mean, unfortunately, how shall I say, uh, you know, the, the storm is here. Uh, you know, it's it's the kind of storm that's, that takes down trees and yeah. made rivers rise and destroyed houses, but it's just a storm. Yeah. And like all others, it will pass. Yes. But currently, we're in the middle of it. So until until it's ready to go, until it's ready to make its way away, uh, we're just going to have to muddle through, for lack of a better term. Trust the facts, get the vax. 
Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> All you anti-vaxxers out there can just, well, you know what you can do. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can ride a bolt of lightning. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, I've eaten enough bologna, hot dogs, chicken McNuggets. Look, at if I survive that, the vaccine's not going to do me any harm. Well, that's what I'm hoping for, too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's change direction drastically here. Sure. Favorite superhero movie? Uh, favorite? Um, oh, snap. Um, I'm going to have to go with Endgame. Endgame? Oh, you mean Avengers? I'm going to have to go with Avengers and, uh, no, not, sorry, not Endgame, but Infinity War. So Infinity. the first one. Okay. As much as, as much as I enjoyed the whole thing, um, the first part of Infinity War was the, was the best part. Yeah. I, geez, I'd have to look that up to see what, see what order they're in. Um, well, that would have, that would have been the culmination of everything that kind of, you know, yeah. everything that kind of happened. Yeah, exactly. I, I really enjoyed the first, uh, Captain America movie. Oh, it was great. Again, it's, it's so difficult to pick a favorite. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed the Thor Ragnarok so much cause it mm. was so funny. Yeah. And so different for, uh, you know, for the Thor character, for, for Chris Hemsworth. And I, I, I just, he is hilarious. Yeah. But prior to that was such a very, you know, I don't want to say brutish, but, but kind of basically a, I don't know, I don't like to use the term muscle head, but he was, yeah. you know, he was one of the tougher ones. So if you're looking to, if you're looking for an ass whooping, he's your guy, <laughs> <laughs> he's your guy. But I, I really think that, that uh, infinity war, the first part was the best one. And uh, again, that's just my opinion. Yeah. When it comes to the superhero movies, I think that the wonder woman movie mm -hmm. was definitely one of the, and that's the first one, definitely one of the best ones I'd ever yeah. seen. Yeah. It was great. I love Chris Pine. So mm. that just, that just added this level of awesomeness to what was already amazing. Did you get a chance to see the second one yet? Yes, we saw it in the theater, and as good as it was, mm -hmm. obviously your sequel is hard yeah. to match or top. The only thing that matched or topped the sequel was the fact that Gal Gadot got eight hundred thousand to make the first one and eleven million to make the second one. Oh, so I think it should be all right. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to see I mean, it yet, but just, I'm I'm gonna you know call, call it a guess. Call it a guess. I don't think she'll be needing any shoes for a while. No, probably not. <laughs> probably She's probably not. all right for shoes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think <laughs> I think she might be uh, using some of that to uh, store stock up on the. Uh, baby formula and, and uh, what have you. I think she's expecting. Oh, yes. I, I heard that rumor. I wasn't sure how accurate it was. Well, Ivan, uh, tell you what. Are you ready for the unapologetically country trivia? Ready? What do you think I, what do you think you, why do you think I allowed myself to be put under this one hour of me doing nothing but talking? I want to answer some trivia questions, John. It's like Family Feud, John O'Shea style. Well, there you go. Yep. You know, and it, I was very disappointed when, uh, you know, when Bob Barker retired and they didn't, uh, they didn't call me after I sent in the audition tape. I was extremely disappointed. But, uh, I think it's, I think it's your hair. I think it's your hair. It's a hair thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Bob Definitely. died his, I just don't have enough to die, you know. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. That's why I just shaved my head, just beat him to the punch. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, here's how this works, all right? Uh, I'm going to ask you five 
country uh, trivia questions. And mm-hmm. uh, if you get the answer correct, it's two points. Mm-hmm. If okay. you need a hint and you get it correct, it's one point. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, so knowing that you are a country music historian almost, I had to be very, um, <laughs> you know, very particular in how I worded these questions. So uh, are sure. you ready to go? Always. All right. Question uh, number one, the category is 70s country lyrics. Okay. Okay. Name the song and the artist that sang the song. It's one line. Let me get it out because I know you're going to interrupt me with the answer. (laughs) All right, here we go. They said for the last two weeks that he suffered and cried. Who sang it and what was the name of the song? (laughs) Tom T. Hall, the year Clayton Delaney died, not Clayton Delaney, as it's commonly referred to. (laughs) And I believe the release year was 1972. Oh, my God. He quotes the year. He quotes the year. Well, I might be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You are correct, sir. You are correct. Question two is um, 80s country artists. Okay. Yep. And what artist saying oh I, I, I just reading this and I know I made this way too easy what artist <laughs> sang uh, these two songs don't make it easy for me and fire and smoke Earl Thomas Conley Jeez, unreal just unreal that is correct did you, did you get it from the first song uh, it, it wouldn't really matter which Earl Thomas Conley song you mentioned yeah because he was the very first country artist in any format to have five number one songs mm-hmm. off his first album. That I didn't even know. Wow. Yeah. I'm learning from Ivan Dagle here. Well, if you're going to learn from somebody, you might as well ask him stuff that he knows stuff about because I don't know much. So. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. <laughs> I'm glad that uh, I asked that question. All right, this next one is, uh, it's also 80s country. And, okay, let me see. What singer who passed away at the age of 56 of lung cancer got his start writing Kentucky Rain for Elvis? Eddie Rabbit. Oh, my God. And, you know, you are 100% correct because I was actually going to throw in a hint and then I was like, he's going to know this anyway. So (laughs) I was going to say, what driving and rainy lover singer? And it's like, you know what? He doesn't need that. Uh, I'll be honest. The the Kentucky rain didn't really, uh, wouldn't have really done it for me. But as soon as you said he died of lung cancer, that's how I knew because even when Eddie Rabbit passed away, I didn't even know that he had lung cancer. Like there was that kind. Of, like for example, anybody gets sick nowadays in in the music industry or in the entertainment industry. Well, in fifteen seconds, they're either on TMZ or it's on their Facebook page or yeah. whatever, right? Exactly. But this guy died of lung cancer. Yeah. And and I didn't even know until the day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, they'd be suffering, you know, you know, uh, like BJ Thomas. Now they, they say he's got stage four mm. lung cancer. 
but, yeah. but back in the day, you wouldn't know that he had it, like you say, and, until he passed away. No. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So you're three stuff. for three. You got six points. Oh, sure. And uh, keep in mind, uh, Rick Reese, he has a perfect score of 10 points. So chances are, if you get uh, you know perfect score here, we're going to eventually probably have to get uh, everybody with a perfect score together somehow and have a tiebreaker. I don't know how we'll do that, but we'll figure it out. Okay, so not to put the pressure on or anything. <laughs> Here's question four, and this is, um, I guess we're going to stick with the 80s theme here. Sure. What singer was a radio DJ and a mortician before uh, becoming a singer, and he is known by his nickname, The Common Man. John Connolly. Bingo. Bingo. I knew he was a radio announcer mm -hmm. for the longest time. Even my dad knew that. My dad passed away when I was 13. Yeah. And the very first time we heard him talk, my dad said, oh, that guy should be on the radio. <laughs> Fast forward about a month and we, I don't know if it was on the radio that we heard it, but they said, oh, a former disc jockey, John Connolly, la, 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 brand new single, something, something. And then I was like, hey, you were right. There you go. All right. So now the last question, you got uh, eight points. You're one question away from a perfect score of 10. You Here ready? Okay. What singer originally released a song that was released about, I want to say about six, maybe seven years later uh, by a female artist that was known for her bluegrass music? And <laughs> you can stop right there. Name the artist and the song. Songwriter? Name the artist <laughs> and the song. Well, the song was written by Paul Overstreet and Don Schlitz. Mm -hmm. The album was Don't Close Your Eyes. Mm -hmm. It was the third single from the Don't Close Your Eyes <laughs> album, followed up by Don't Close Your Eyes, I'm No Stranger to the Rain, and When You Say Nothing at All by Keith Whitley. There you go. Mr. Ivan Daigle, don't you try have... to get me on the Keith Whitley. <laughs> don't try to get me on the Keith Whitley questions, John. Jeez, you know you better than that. You have earned a perfect score <laughs> of ten. You are tied with Rick Reese, so congratulations. You have a perfect score Yay! in the unapologetically country <laughs> trivia. Never will I ever be again. <laughs> Never will I ever be again. <laughs> Well, Ivan, th this has been absolutely uh, a ball to, uh, to have a chat with you, and uh, thank you very much for being part of, uh, uh, what are we calling this thing? Uh, Drive on the podcast or the Johnny O show. I'm not sure which direction we're going yet, but. We've... I don't know. I, I like Johnny O. I call you that a lot. You're one of the people that do. Rick does. But it's it's weird how many people, and I never clued into it that there's people that call me Johnny. Because, yeah. They never call me Johnny. It's always Johnny all. It's weird. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. John, Johnny doesn't work for you. Because no. you're not a Johnny. No. But you're a Johnny O for sure. <laughs> Although I've got friends that call me uh, Dr. Johnny Fever because I work in radio. But that's that's a different Dr. story. Dr. Fever. <laughs> not <laughs> Do you have a Dr. Fever here? Is this some kind of joke? <laughs> 
Look, John, I just want to say, boss, it is such a pleasure to all. It's always a pleasure just to spend any amount of time with you just because it's so much fun because we just have this this love of, of, of country music. And I mean, of, of I don't want to say real country music, but I mean, we have this this love, this this admiration mm. for, for country music. And always, I, I appreciate so much the fact that you that you help you know us, uh, us local guys and, and put us on your podcast and keep us on your on your on your Sunday morning shows from time to time. And it's always just just an absolute treat just to hang out with you, even if it's virtually. Well, exactly, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully it won't be too long before we're able to uh, maybe do one of these face to face. And and uh, uh, you know what would be cool would be. Uh, you know, to have a, have a show that's focused on, you know, uh, maybe a certain era of country music. We talk about artists and oh, things like that. And you know what? That would be awesome. You know, like, I don't know many people that would be able to do that other than you and myself. So we might have to do that someday. Set it up, boss. I will be there. All right. Sounds good. Ivan Daigle, <laughs> thank you very much for being part of the show today. Johnny O'Shea, always a pleasure to talk to you, boss. Have yourself a great day. Be safe. Everybody out there, be safe. Keep your hands washed and keep your get your get your vax when it's available. And what was the thing that you said earlier about the vax? Trust the facts. Get the vax. There you go. Thanks, Ivan. All right, boss. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Drive On the Podcast. I'm John O'Shea. Big thank you to Ivan Daigle for being uh, this week's guest and looking forward to another great episode next week. You can follow us on Facebook at Drive On Media and uh, give us a like and a share on there. You can uh, listen to Drive On the podcast uh, through, uh, let's see, we've got Google Podcasts, we've got uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also go to driveon.podbean.com. That's driveon.podbean.com. And again, big thank you to Jason Berry of Barytone Studios for the theme music for this podcast. Hope you have a great week, and I'll be back with you next week with another great episode of Drive On The Podcast, or maybe we'll call it the Johnny O Show starting next week. You'll just have to stay tuned to find out. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.